0: If you have your Bible, I invite you to open up to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where we are. It's where we were last week. It's where we will continue to be. And I'm going to read verse 10 of Luke chapter 2, which will be the core verse for our Christmas series. We're told, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Last week, we talked about this verse and we began this series called The Heart of Christmas. And if you were here last week, we talked about how there's lots of stories that always come during the Christmas season. There's stories of Christmas concerts and festivals and meals and cooking and planning and traveling and gifts all those wonderful things that always come with the Christmas season, the angel wants to make sure we don't miss the biggest headline amidst this busy season, and what is the headline of Christmas? It's that Christmas is good news of great joy for all people, and last week we talked about this, how that good news should make us fear not. You remember the angel spoke to the angels, they were scared there in the field, and he told them to fear not because there is good news, and what is the good news? We're told in verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We talked about this last week that the good news is that God is with us, Emmanuel. And God is with us. Last week we talked about how he's also for us, and we discussed the reality that he will not leave us. And this is good news that should make us fear not during this Christmas season. But today, what the angel goes on to say is that that good news should have a profound impact on our lives. That not only is that good news, he says that good news should lead to great joy. So the question then is, what is joy? I will first start off by telling you what it is not. Joy is not the same as happiness. Often those two things get put together, but they are not the same. Happiness is a feeling or an emotion, and it's really fleeting. It's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. For instance, I was happy when the college football season started. As an Aggie, I am unhappy with how it ended. Likewise, as a Dallas Cowboy fan, I am happy right now based on their performance, but I will probably be unhappy in the first round of the playoffs when they always like to lose. I will guarantee that many of you will be happy on December 25th when you open up gifts and you're going to be excited about those new trinkets and toys. But I can also tell you that happiness will be gone in a few weeks when those new things become old things. Even right now, some of you are happy to be right here in church, but you might be unhappy when you start arguing in the car on the way to lunch. I know how our lives operate. Happiness is fleeting, happiness is an emotion, it's a feeling, it's here today and gone tomorrow. But what is joy? Joy is more than a fleeting emo- emotion, joy is an immovable state of being. It's an immovable state of being. I like what John Piper said. This is how he defined joy. This is the definition he gave it. He said, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul. He said, produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. Now, I like what he said there. He said, God's word is illuminated. We see God's beauty through the scriptures of who he is and what he's done, but we also start to see his beauty all throughout the world, that it is something internal in us. And he said it's something that came from God. It's produced by the Holy Spirit. You see, joy is something we have to receive. It's not something you can go find in this world. That's why joy came to the world through Jesus Christ. And when you come to the Father through the mediation of God the Son, He gives you the gift of God the Holy Spirit who brings joy into our lives, and that joy is a permanent satisfaction that cannot be taken away. It's a state of being. It's not just a fleeting emotion although emotions are certainly involved. Uh, I like what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 11. He said, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Some translations say, so that your joy may be complete. You see, Jesus said he came to this world to give you joy. Because you and I cannot find joy in this world based on our own efforts. It's an impossibility. And God knew that, so he sent his son to bring joy to the world. And that's why today, for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, I want to remind us that we do have good news of great joy. And there are hardships, there are difficult things, as we already even prayed about today. But amidst all the hardships that we find ourselves in this Christmas season, you can find great joy this Christmas. And I'm going to encourage you to focus on three things to have joy in this morning. It's very simple, but the first thing that we all can find joy in is we can find joy in our salvation. We can find joy in our salvation. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, and you've been reconciled to God through God the Son, and you've been born again through God the Holy Spirit, you can have joy in your spirit because of your salvation. I like what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1. He said, though you have not seen him, you love him. He said, though you do not see him, you believe in him and you rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Peter says, though you haven't seen Jesus, you love him. And though you haven't seen him, you know him and you can rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible, a joy that makes no sense to the world. He says, there's joy that comes through your salvation. And why is that? It's because the burden of sin and death have been removed from us. And because that weight is now off of us and Jesus took that weight for us, there is joy to be had, it's an inexpressible joy, in the salvation we found through Jesus Christ. A few years ago, I started traveling a little bit more with ministry things, and as I was traveling one day a few years ago, I was carrying around a duffel bag. And back in the day, I didn't have good suitcases. It was just something I hadn't spent money on yet. And I don't like checking bags because you might lose it. So I always take that carry-on. And I had a carry-on, but it was a big duffel bag. And I remember it was a long day of traveling, multiple connections, and I'm just hauling this duffel bag everywhere I go. And then I saw those people with those, those suitcases that just glide those four glorious wheels, and it just starts scooching across those hallways, and they're taking it terminal to terminal with this joy on their face, and I'm just sweating and huffing and puffing. I'm hauling this weight everywhere I go, and there was a difference in me, I noticed, and a difference in them. And the reason why there was a difference, they had joy because they weren't carrying that burden with them anymore. They weren't carrying it. And can I just tell you there is a difference between christians and non-christians Because christians aren't carrying a weight that non-christians are carrying And what is that weight the first weight is the weight of your sin It's the weight of your sin because the bible tells us that all of us know we're sinners I don't have to convince you you already know And how do I know that you know? It's because we're told in Romans chapter one, God has already revealed himself to all mankind through the general revelation of himself. You see, when we go outside and we see all the beautiful things in the world, what Paul said is God has plainly revealed his invisible attributes through the visible creation. And as we go around this world, we know in our deepest heart that there is a God and we're not him. And we know that we have sinned because Romans 2 tells us that God in his providence gave us a conscience That we can know that we're wrong when we're supposed to be right And we all know we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God And that sin brings a heaviness a weight because we can't get rid of it We just keep doing things we don't want to do we keep failing and when you carry the weight of sin What happens in your life if you just live long enough is you start to carry weight regret and I would dare say there are people even in this room that you're carrying this baggage of shame and regret because sin is a heavy burden but that's why God sent his son to this world was to carry that burden for us that's why our sin was crucified with Christ so we can find freedom through our faith in Christ. That now we can walk through this world not carrying that load because Jesus has already carried it for us. And instead, we can find new life and we are gliding through life as a new creation because we have joy in our salvation. There is joy that comes through knowing Jesus Christ and giving your burden of sin to him. But the thing is that with that sin, we're told there's this penalty, Romans six twenty three, And the penalty of our sin is death. And when you haven't received the joy of salvation, can I tell you what you have instead? You have a fear of death. You have it in you. That it's in all of us. And there's a difference in a Christian who's approaching death when they know where they are going. There's a difference, a joy because we know that we know that we know that Christ is with us and Christ is for us. And my question is do you have that kind of joy in your life? Or are you just carrying these heavy burdens? Because what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. He said, Come to me, all you who are carrying all this heavy stuff. And he said, I will give you rest there is joy in finding rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ and what Jesus tells us is that we should all rejoice in our salvation today I like what he said in Luke chapter 10 verse 20 Jesus said to his disciples rejoice that your names are written in heaven and I will tell the disciples today to do the same rejoice that your name is written in heaven. For so many of us, we try to make a name for ourselves in this world, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because our name is known in heaven. You see, one day nobody will remember our name on this earth, but my name is known in heaven, and because of that, I can rejoice in my salvation that God loves me, he knows me, and I have been crucified with Christ so I can live. We have joy in our salvation, but then secondly, I don't want you to miss this, we can also find joy in his presence. We have joy in his salvation, but we also have joy in his presence. What I mean by that is we have joy knowing that our penalty has been paid, but we also have joy in that now we have access to God. And God's presence gives us joy. In Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, I like what David said. He said, you have made known to me the path of life. In your presence, he says, there is a fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What David just said was that at the right hand of God, there is pleasure forevermore. He said there is a fullness of joy, and it comes from God. Now, what David just said was antithetical to what culture will tell you. Because what culture will try to convince you, and some of you have bought into the lie, that all the pleasure comes from the things of this world. That somehow the fullness of joy will come through the pleasures of this world. And David said, it's nonsense. He said, that joy isn't found here. He said, actually, the fullness of joy comes through standing in the presence of God. Experiencing Him in your life. And the things of this world will not give you that joy because they don't have the ability to deliver. I was thinking about football games coming up. The Aggies has already said, I'm not really excited about our football game, but there are a few Longhorns in this room that are excited about theirs. And I'm not bitter about it. I am, but I'm praying about it. And the UT Longhorns are about to have a big football game. And I was speaking the last couple of weeks with people in our church. A lot of people have bought tickets. A lot of people have been trying to buy tickets, but they can't buy tickets. And why is it that people are spending money buying this ticket to go to the big game? Because they could watch it on a big screen, but they are wanting to be at the game. I can tell you why is there's just a difference in being there, is there not? There is joy in being in the presence, being there personally, experiencing it firsthand. And in the same way, there is a difference in being in the presence of God and experiencing him versus just watching him from afar. And the problem with lots of churches is there are people that watch Christianity like a TV show. And we watch it. We watch the game. We will listen to the songs. We'll listen to the message. We'll go to the concert. We'll go to the festival. We'll do all the religious stuff, but we've never actually experienced God amidst it. That we just did stuff. And we watched the game, but we never actually went there when we were invited into it. Because the thing is, there's a difference between a football game and the kingdom of God. Because some of us don't have the resources to go and make that football game, understandably so. But the reality is none of us also have the resources to make it into the kingdom of God but praise be to God that he sent his son to purchase that ticket of salvation for me and for you. And now the joy of his presence is actually available to anyone who will call upon the name of Jesus. But my question is, have you actually experienced it? Or have you just played religious games and this has become another hobby? Or have you actually experienced the fullness of his joy? that comes through walking with Jesus Christ, there is a joy that we can receive in his presence that we will not receive here on this earth. That's why he says rejoice. Rejoice, because we have good news of great joy, joy in our salvation, joy in his presence. But then thirdly, we can find joy this morning in heaven that awaits us. We can find joy in heaven that awaits us. We have joy, in other words, in what we've been saved from. That's salvation. We've been saved from sin and death. We have joy in His presence. That's sanctification. He's with us right now. But we also have joy in salvation in our uh, in our inheritance that's awaiting us in heaven. That's glorification. That God one day is going to call us home, and we can find joy in what is waiting for us. Peter continued in that first chapter this is how he describes it he says in 1 Peter chapter 3 verse or excuse me 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ according to his great mercy he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled unfading and kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. I liked what Peter said. Peter said we've been called to an inheritance. An inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept for you. The reality is for every one of us as Christians in this room, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you've been called from slavery to royalty. This is the transaction that has happened in your life. We were slaves to sin, alienated and apart from Christ, and then through the blood of Christ, we've been reconciled to God now as sons and daughters of his. If we've been adopted into the family, that's why Peter starts talking inheritance because Paul says we're co-heirs with Christ, Everything Christ has, he says, he's going to share with us as his children. And Peter says that inheritance that's awaiting you, it is imperishable. He says it's undefiled, it's unfading, and it's being kept for you. You can't lose it. Because the reality is you cannot lose that which you did not earn to begin with. It's being kept for you. And I love what Jesus said in John chapter 14 about heaven and what's awaiting us. He said, "'Let not your heart be troubled, but believe in God, and believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also.'" Jesus told his disciples he had to leave them. As he's left us here on this earth, he's in heaven. And what is he doing in heaven? Jesus said he's preparing a place for you. And I want that to sink in for a minute. That if you're in Christ Jesus, he's preparing a place for you in heaven. Not only does heaven know your name, but God's preparing a place for you. And I was thinking about Christmas, because this is a season of preparation, is it not? Many of you are already preparing your houses for guests. And I know the drill. I know how it works. You all will be frantically cleaning your house to make it look like that's how you always live. That's not always how you live, but you want to dress it up. I know we do the same thing. We all will clean up our house. And then if you have guests coming over, you're going to put on clean sheets. And then you're going to set the table. And then you're going to stock up the fridge. And then you're going to plan the meals. Then you're going to wrap the gifts. And you're going to do all this stuff to prepare. And why are you going to do that? because you love them you love them that's why you do it and if that's how we treat one another here on this earth how much greater must the love of our God be when he's preparing a place for us because God is love first John chapter 4 verse 16 his love is perfect and pure and righteous and in his love he's preparing a place for us a place for us for all of eternity and what does that look like in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. What Paul said is, no one can think about what God has prepared. No eye has seen anything like it. No ear has heard anything like it. And no heart has even imagined anything like heaven. That's why God always tells us to set our eyes on the kingdom of God. Because what he has awaiting us is so much better than the stuff we get caught up here on this earth Because one problem that happens often and it can creep into the church as well Is we forget to set our sights on heaven and we keep our sights on this earth? And when we start doing that what happens over time is we try to find joy in the world We try to find it out there if I just get a big enough house If I just get that income, if I just get that spouse, if we just have those kids, if we just have that vacation, if we just have that retirement, if we just get that boat, if we just have that new car, and we keep adding all these things to the list, thinking those things will give you joy. And can I tell you in love, they'll never do it. They'll never do it. They might make you happy for a little while, but you know what Solomon said? He wrote a whole book about it called Ecclesiastes. He said it's all vanity. He said it's like chasing after the wind, because those things can't deliver it, because God made you for something greater than this world actually has to offer. So my question is, where are you pursuing joy? Because if you pursue joy in empty places, you will come to empty conclusions. You're not going to find it. That's why God sent his joy to this world through Jesus Christ so that if you would receive him and submit to him and walk with him you would find a fullness of joy you see we all have joy in this room through Christ in our salvation in his presence in heaven that's awaiting us and because all those things are realities can i tell you this final point we can all find in this room joy in all circumstances we can find joy in all circumstances Uh, I like what James said in James chapter 1 he writes about this most famously in that first chapter he says in verse 2 count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds people have read that verse over the years and they've been confused by it because he says count it joy when you face trials and first of all I'll say notice he said when you face trials because you will face trials Jesus himself said, you will face tribulation in this world. He just said, behold, I've already overcome the world. But we will face trials and tribulations here in this world. But James said, when you face those trials, he said, count it as joy. Many people read that verse, and they think it's unrealistic. And mainly it's because they have a misunderstanding of what that verse actually means. Because some people read that and say, well, does God just want me to smile like an idiot when my whole world's falling apart? no he doesn't actually you know jesus is our creator and god has made actually the emotions and feelings that are inside of us those aren't things that you have to suppress in fact if you just read the book of psalms it's full of emotions of its trials and he might even realize that god tells us in ecclesiastes solomon the same guy he says there's a time for weeping and grieving those are realities that come on this world so then how can you count it all joy if you walk through hardships You can count it all joy because of the good news of Jesus Christ. That he is for us, he's with us, and nothing can change that for us. That he's always with us. The joy doesn't come through the hardship. The joy comes through walking with God in that hardship. and That he actually sanctifies you and builds you up and gives you a joy that the world can't explain through his presence. Uh, I think about that picture. Throw it back up there with Emma. So, Emma in the hospital, and you see that picture, that is a joyous little girl. And you talk about strength to be able to smile in a situation she's in. And she's not just posing for the camera, no one paid her money to do it. If any of y'all know Emma, y'all just know that's who Emma is. She smiles. And can I tell you why she smiles? It's because her joy is in the Lord. Even Emma at a young age has given her life to Jesus Christ. And I believe she's experiencing the joy of his presence right there with her. A joy that makes no sense to so many of us. But Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That that is our source of strength is his joy. And as we walk with him, we find that joy so that we can find joy in all circumstances. And with Emma and the Lindsay family, as I've spoken with them, there's also been tears tears there's also been heartache and there will be many more tears I'm sure in days to come there's hard days but they find joy in all circumstances speaking with Ashley and she starts talking about how she's seen the glory of God revealed through all the hardships they face they've already seen God's provision and grace every step of the way that's not a normal response in this world can I just tell you that's not and that's why I'm also going to tell you this Every single person that can hear my voice, including myself, we all will suffer. Everyone suffers in this world. There's no way of getting around it. But not everybody suffers the same way. Because some people look different amidst their suffering, and you know why? It's because God is with them. Emmanuel, God is with them. And his power is being made perfect in their weakness. You see, this final point I want to make sure we all hear is that the world cannot give you this joy, but then likewise the world cannot take it away. I want to make sure you understand that. The world cannot deliver the joy I'm talking about, but also the world cannot take it away from you. That sense of joy is a state of being that is put in us by God through Jesus Christ and the indwelling of His Spirit. And that joy gives us strength in all things. And my question is, are you walking in that joy today? Because if you just try to grit your teeth and do it yourself, you just won't. It's not going to work. But instead, what you can do is submit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why God sent his Son to give us joy. He said, Fear not, for I have good news of great joy. That we can have joy in our salvation, but we can have joy in his presence. We can have joy in eternity, and we can have joy in all circumstances. Because God is with us, Emmanuel. Do you have the joy of the Lord this Christmas? If you don't, I encourage you to receive that gift that God has given us to in the world.